0: Welcome to Fine Flow, a podcast on the ebb and flow of the IT operations management scene. We take a deep dive into the latest developments on IT operations management, IT service management, and AI ops. Fine Flow episodes are on iTunes and Spotify, and remember to subscribe. I'm your host, Sean McDermott, and this is Fine Flow. My name is Sean McDerbin. I'm your host. Uh, this week we have uh, Science Logic on. So as as we've seen in other episodes this season, we're spending a lot of time talking to vendors about their technologies and their key differentiators and what they're doing in the market and innovation things like that. So this week we have Science Logic, and with me is uh, Leslie Minix Wolf, who is the Vice President of Product Marketing at of science logic so welcome leslie i know you and i have uh we haven't actually met before but we have been running parallel lives uh, for a lot of our career both being in the Reston, virginia area northern virginia and also uh being involved in enterprise management there aren't a lot of us in that space so i'm surprised we haven't met before because we actually worked at companies together and and different times but welcome to the uh podcast
1: well, thanks, Sean. It's a um, pleasure to be here, and uh, as as you said, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. Uh, I didn't realize that we had uh, that much overlap in our career, but uh, apparently we have. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: so it's a small world out there, that's for sure. So, uh, so Leslie, tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we'll jump into the into the real meat of this.
1: Okay. Well, um, as you said, you know, I've I'm based in the Northern Virginia area. I've been here for many years, been working. Pretty much for the last 30 years in the enterprise management space. I've uh, worked at a number of uh, local startups, uh, managed objects, uh, NetTuitive, our are, are, um, companies that have been based in, in this area. Uh, also worked at BMC Software and have ultimately landed at ScienceLogic, where I'm running the product marketing organization there. Um, so moved around, but mostly in the enterprise space on the performance bar- monitoring side.
0: Yeah, excellent, excellent. So we could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about all the stories from the late 90s and 2000s of of enterprise management in the uh, Washington D.C. area, but we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> um, um, you know, let, let's let's kind of start with really the state of AI ops, right? And and where how we got here from your perspective, where we're at today. So give me a little bit of your thoughts on that.
1: Okay. Well, um, sure. So. You know, as you mentioned uh, today, and I'm sure in, in earlier podcasts, that you know this market has been around for a long time, and you know there are lots of vendors out there that have been providing monitoring solutions in the enterprise space for years and years, and. You know, AI ops is a relatively new market. Uh it's emerging. There's no magic quadrant. Um only in the last few years has Forrester published a, a wave uh, around the AI ops uh space. And it really has has formed out of the enterprise monitoring solutions. Whether you're an ATM vendor, a network performance management vendor or an infrastructure monitoring vendor, all of these you know different vendors uh have been looking towards How do we handle the volume of data, the volume of information uh, about the infrastructure that is under management? As as companies have grown, as companies have uh, invested in more technology to run their businesses, um, there's more infrastructure to manage. They generate more alerts or events. And the noise volume uh, has has increased dramatically. Um, and add to that the move to cloud. Uh, as we've started to monitor, you know, a technology that that is very short lived. It comes and grows. It, it bursts, and and you have more information, more technology to monitor, more opportunities for things to go wrong. Uh, people are looking for ways to reduce the workload to be able to understand what's happening in this very complex IT environment that is spanning the data center, cloud, SaaS, you know, applications and services. And in order to do that, they're looking for a new approach. And that's really where AIOps has come in is it's a new way of uh, really shifting the workload from people uh, to more machine-driven automation where we're able to, process large volumes of data coming from a variety of sources and be able to use that to identify problems faster, hopefully in a proactive or predictive manner, uh, and then not only identify them, but be able to diagnose and resolve them as quickly as possible. So um, there's many aspects of AI AIOps. Right? We could spend hours. I know we only have about 40 minutes, but um, in a nutshell, I think that's, you know, that's What's driving this is people are looking for ways to address performance problems uh, with their infrastructure and services and applications and do it in a much more efficient and effective manner
0: so so if somebody's on you know listening to this podcast going okay I, I, I hear that I hear uh, the the value proposition uh, the amount of data processing and they're like, okay I'm ready to start." dipping my toe into the AI ops world, you know, irrespective of this science logic platform and the products you offer, what would you recommend to somebody that they start thinking about in preparation of, you know, getting into onto that, as, as you and I spoke this AI ops journey, like what, where do you think people should start?
1: Well, you know, I think foundationally, um, it's about the data, right? Um, you know uh, Gartner has shared a metric. seventy nine percent of time spent by data scientists is on collecting, cleaning up, and preparing data. So the fundamental you know and, and probably the, the the starting point you know that we recommend to our customers uh, and prospects is that you start with the data and you, you need uh, or you need to to consider what are the tools that you have in place. What are the mechanisms that you have in place? What kind of data are you trying to bring together in order to drive automation? Um, and I think that's really the the core to AI ops is having a, um, a, a an intelligent data source, a data lake that has all the information in it, and that information is is clean, it's prepared, uh, so that you can start to apply machine learning or analytics on top of that data in order. Uh, to drive automation.
0: Gotcha. So when when I'm when we're talking to customers and they're trying to figure out you know what to do with AI ops, this whole concept, they start. We get a lot of questions about use cases, right? So where do you think some of where customers should start thinking about some of the prime use cases for AI ops?
1: Sure. So. There, there. Are, you know, many that you, you could look, consider here. But I think again, it's you know, bring, once you've got your data together, I think one of the first things is understanding what problems are existing in the environment and what problems are worth investigating. So we, you know, when we think of that, we think of, about it first and foremost is understanding the impact. You know, understanding business impact, um, so or service impact. Um, that allows you to start to prioritize the work that needs to be done. Because again, if you go back to the idea, you've got tons of data. It's, you know, lots of changes happening. You know, how do I know what to work on? What's important, um, to, to, uh, focus my energy on or focus the team's energy on? The second piece of it is once I understand what's important, um, how do I, how do I diagnose that problem? how do I speed up the time it takes? You know, many people talk about AI ops is all about mean time to repair. How do I accelerate or lower the, the time it takes uh, to fix problems? So, you know, I would say that second use case is how do I do root cause analysis? How do I diagnose uh, troubleshoot uh, problems? And then a third use case would be more about automation. How do I automate the repair? So, um, we also often take it further than that and say, you know, it's not just about fixing problems. It's about being able to leverage the data that you've collected and be able to automate and, and do other things with that, whether that be, you know, uh, feeding that data into a configuration management database, whether that's automating the ticketing process, whether that's integrating with your change management processes. And as people are moving towards more of a DevOps approach, which we're seeing lots of customers doing today, is about being able to feed the data that you're monitoring uh, into the DevOps processes and the DevOps data into the monitoring processes from an operational perspective so that you can better understand when changes are being deployed. You you roll out a new release, a new application, or a new service – Changes are the most common cause of a problem. So being able to feed that data into your monitoring of the operational, uh, day to day performance of those services is crucial. So once you've got your data and you've got that data set, being able to automate those workflows around DevOps, around SecOps, around, you know, uh, your, your, um, IT service management Processes, whether it's change or problem management and things like that, that really uh, um, constitutes a lot of what we view as core use cases around AI ops.
0: So, when you're talking to your customers now and or your prospects and they're thinking about investment strategy, what, where do you point them for? roi and and driving value because at some point they're going to have to articulate it to somebody right and say hey if we if we spend x amount of money on this we expect to see why what what are some things that people should be thinking about as far as um roi and and investment value
1: oh there are many uh again you know you could spend hours talking about the the value in here um And it grows, you know, as as you mentioned, it is a journey and and the value increases the more, you know, um, the more of the use cases that you implement. But some of the first um, uh, key value metrics uh, can be around simply bringing all the data together. There is a tremendous amount of time, as I mentioned, the 79% of the time spent just gathering data being able to automate that through discovery, um, through leveraging the existing tools that you have, having a single platform that brings data together and and does the standardization of it can be a huge value uh, uh, and ROI, eliminating tools, the infrastructure that they run on, the administration staff, the training required, the integrations that you have to build. So there's lots of uh, ROI around that, and that's just the the core data. Um, Where we then start to see significant ROI is around the automation. I've got lots of metrics uh, that we've gathered from customers over the the years, and some of them, um, you know, very tangible. For example, on average, it takes customers 30 minutes to key in information into a, a, a service desk ticket. You know, if you're thinking about creating a ticket and you have to manually populate it with all the information about a particular problem, being able to automate 30 minutes of time. Uh, and take that out of someone's day, you could start to generate more tickets faster and and have those people work on fixing problems instead of actually opening the tickets. One of the other uh key metrics that that we've gotten on average from our customers is it takes roughly ninety minutes to actually route that ticket to the right person so if it takes you ninety minutes. To figure out who to send the ticket to, which team needs, is it a network issue, is it an application issue, is it a storage issue? Um, We also have seen that most organizations struggle to route tickets right the first time because they don't have good data in their service desk, in their, you know, the definitions of their assets, who owns the asset, who's responsible for it. So, one of the things that you, you know we do is we automate the uh, data that uh, is being shared or used to populate and update and maintain your configuration management database, which is part of your service desk, which has all the asset information. If we can automate that data, we can reduce the time it takes to create the tickets. We can reduce the time that it takes to reroute and, and not have to reroute. Uh, we have one customer who I recently spoke with, and I won't share their name because they would probably be very embarrassed. They had 200,000 tickets last year. Of those 200,000, only 2,000 of them were routed correctly the first time because they didn't have our solution. They didn't have science logic. They weren't automatically populating their CMDB with the information in their real-time operational environment because the data was not up to date. So if you imagine 198,000 tickets times 90 minutes, that's a lot of time that was wasted and that we saved, right? Now, they also shared with us, there were over 10,000 tickets that were rerouted, not once, not twice, but 10 times. 10 times 90 minutes times 10,000 tickets, a lot more time. So we we are able to start to quantify through automation, the time savings just on ticketing and routing the tickets. Now, where it starts to really pan out, I mean, those numbers are, are powerful, but where we're starting to see more of our uh, mature customers is to start automating collection of the diagnostics uh, or triage or troubleshooting information when a problem occurs, when an event happens, you want to be able to collect information at that very point in time about what's going on in the system to figure out what what happened. I mean, imagine, you know, if I had a ticket, it took 30 minutes to create the ticket, it took 90 minutes to route it, it's two hours later, and I'm trying to figure out what happened two hours ago I'm trying to log into three different boxes and run certain diagnostic commands, which I don't remember. I had to look up in my, you know, my uh, run book, uh, you know, directions and figure out what what commands to run, what things I need to look at, bring all that data together. We are able to automate a lot of those steps. We can remotely dial, dial in uh, or log into different boxes. We can collect information about what processes were running what what commands were running what log files existed and we can bring all that data together and update the event we enrich it with all that diagnostic information so when that event is forwarded to the operations team and it becomes part of a ticket we've determined hey this is something important it's causing this service to degrade we then can have all that information put right into the ticket automatically so I don't have to go out and spend time trying to figure out what happened two hours ago because it's already there in the ticket for me to look at, and all I'm spending my time doing is analyzing it. Um, another you know, example uh, of that for a customer, so one of our largest customers, um, Cisco, uh, has shared metrics of $14 million in savings from automatically enriching the events with diagnostic information when there's a problem with Cisco gear. So you know they're they they sell a lot of hardware. They're using our tool to automate troubleshooting. They're using that to enrich tickets. So when they're providing service to their clients, their in customers as a managed service provider, um, they've been able to to you know save tremendous amounts of time Uh, staff productivity, and and that equates to, you know, cost savings uh, by automating a lot of the routine steps that an administrator or operator would have to perform or an engineer when they're trying to diagnose and resolve uh, issues. And, of course, the last piece of it is now I can start to automate. Now that I have all the diagnostics, if we know what is happening on a recurring basis, and here's an, an application of machine learning as well, Let's say you know I have a particular problem um that has occurred you know five thousand times in the last you know six months or nine months. We know that this particular event has occurred that many times. We have the diagnostic data to show these were the steps that were performed automatically to diagnose the problem. well, if all of them had the same basic kind of results in them now we can start to auto-remediate or self-heal because we know how to solve that problem because we've seen it happen over and over and over again. We've analyzed the data to figure out that we've solved it the same way over and over and over again. Now we can remediate and people trust that the machine is actually doing an automation that is accurate because people have been doing it in the past and they, they have more confidence uh, that the uh, the AI op solution uh, is able to automate those uh, remediations.
0: Awesome, good stuff. All right, so let's shift over a little bit, and let me. Uh, so I'll give you some time to kind of talk about ScienceLogic and your SL1 platform and and some of the things that you're doing there and the innovation. One of the things that you and I <clears throat> I've heard from uh, about ScienceLogic is you guys have this kind of moniker, seek, contextualize, and act. And uh, by the way, I, I, I love the word contextualize. People around me know <laughs> that I use that word all the time because everything is only important in the context of, of how it's being used. Right. So um, talking about seek, contextualize, and act, um, tell me, let's start talking about you know the SO1 platform and what you guys are doing. So so go into that a little bit more and help help everybody understand what you guys mean by see contextualize, and act.
1: Okay, sure, Sean. Um, so, you know, fundamentally, uh, when you think about C, it, it is about having visibility into all the infrastructure that are, is supporting, and not just infrastructure, but the applications that are supporting the services that your IT department is providing to your business as well as to your end customers. So C is about being able to automatically discover and monitor, collect data uh, on all the infrastructure and applications that support those services. That involves not just collecting um, events, Uh, it's not just collecting metrics, but it's also being able to bring in things like configuration information or log information. Um, user response times, it's about the ability to collect a large variety or a wide variety of different data types from a wide variety of data sources. And to us, that's what C is all about. It's We have this platform that allows you to automatically discover and collect information and fuse that data together into a single uh, data lake. Um, as part of that process, so so, go ahead, go ahead, so
0: part of, so not to, sorry to cut you off, so when you say um, collecting information because I think this is key right is is like you said before, collecting data, uh, cleaning up the data, right so you have to connect to the sources so talk to me about how you guys do like like discovery of something so let's um, let's use two examples you've got. Uh, some type of, of business application that, that is kicking off, say, standard log fi- log entries, um, and then you have maybe a CMDB-like service now. So, how does how does your platform discover both of those and make that connection and map the data fields and things like that?
1: So we we use a a variety of techniques for collecting uh, the data, uh, both agentless and agent based. And that ranges from, you know, uh, bringing in events uh, to API collection, uh, doing some kind of forensic analysis on, you know, through the OS. We do streaming, polling, uh, et cetera. Um, we also have a variety of patented techniques for uh, doing the dis- the discovery before we begin the collection. So um, we have a, um, uh, an approach that I w- we refer to as power packs, uh, which allow you to develop uh, technology-focused approaches that can take any of these techniques and apply them to a VMware environment, to a Cisco uh, UCS environment, Uh, to a NetApp environment. So depending on the technology that we need to discover and the type of information that we want to collect, we can apply any combination of those methods or techniques to bring in the data. And so we have over 400 out-of-the-box power packs for monitoring various technologies, and we provide an SDK for customers to build their own power packs themselves with uh, low-code uh, development, um, not requiring you to be a programmer uh, in order to build integrations with new technologies. And we've found that you know, with the 400 we have out of the box, we're able to bring in the the majority of data uh, that is uh, running in most uh, enterprise organizations today, both legacy and you know modern technologies. But there's always, you know, a few one-offs uh, unique requirements, you know, that people need to to support, whether it's, you know, uh uh NASA with special, you know, equipment, satellite equipment that they need to monitor, uh, or it's somebody who's doing some kind of um you know IoT based uh monitoring of refrigerator systems, we can bring you know, we can develop a power pack that brings in the data that is available. Uh, we can discover those items those those resources whether wh- whatever kind of device it is and then start collecting the data using those different approaches so hopefully that, that so are the pa-
0: yeah so are the power packs are they um so you, you guys offer i think you said 400 out of the box um, and an SDK can I as a customer write a power pack and and post it up into like the 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 science logic community and have somebody else download it Yes. So yes. is there an exchange of information? Okay. Yes, that's there's an the ability cool. to
1: exchange that, yes.
0: And then are, the power, are the power packs bidirectional? So, I mean, I know I can – obviously you can pull data in. So if you're basically um, trying to monitor optical equipment or something like that and using, say, a TL1 protocol, you could build a power pack to that TL1 and bring it in. But is the power pack the same mechanism by which I might write data out into a CMDB or another data source?
1: It is. We have different, we have three different, you know, what we call flavors of power packs. We have monitoring, which is a one-way uh, ingestion, and then we have automation power packs, which push data out, uh, and then we have synchronization power packs, which allow you to, to exchange uh, information uh, in multi-directions. So depending on the nature of the power pack, uh, it supports uh, bi-directional or you know, single-directional um, communications.
0: So, so a synchronization powder pack, power pack would uh, – a, a, a use case might be a CMDB where you guys are doing your discovery. They've got their CMDB, and you're able to update the CMDB with some information you may be finding through your discovery. But at the same time, if somebody puts in something into the CMDB through some type of, of other change process, that could be reflected into your platform.
1: That's correct. That's correct. And we, do, right. we cool. do both directions right. cool. with the CMDB, yes.
0: Cool. Okay. So we've got the uh, we've got the we got the C part.
1: Right.
0: Now, uh, let uh, tell me more about the contextualized part. My okay. favorite part.
1: Sure. So the contextualized really has two aspects. Um, the first is around the relationship, you know, which is really, you know, I think what what you're referring to is the context understanding you know, how all of this stuff works together. We've got, you know, network routers and switches and servers and cloud services and all these different piece parts that we you know, if you are looking at them as individual assets or devices, they're not very useful. But if you understand the relationships between them, the connections, how they communicate with one another in order to support the service or the application, that is context right understanding the context of how that you know uh, disk is you know supporting the the uh, the server that is supporting this you know service that is being delivered uh, to the end customer that is really where you you have context to start to begin to apply analytics um, one of the things that which is the second piece because one of the things that that uh, we've seen uh, organizations struggle with in the past is they try to apply analytics on everything, and what that can often uh, uh, end up producing is you know something like a ping pong effect where you're applying analytics on one thing, but you don't understand how that is affected by something else and you so then it it, it affects that other thing and that other thing does something and it comes back, and you start having this back and forth. Interaction. And so we're using the topology, the relational topology between the infrastructure components. So you could look at network topology. You could look at, you know, the the server communications. But you also want to understand how the network and the server and the applications that are running on that server uh, and how they're communicating with the storage array and the you know uh, the database that's running uh, out somewhere or they're talking to some SaaS application uh, in order to process credit card you know uh, um, uh, payments. All of those intercommunications are crucial to understand whether something is important, and then you want to be able to look at and apply the analytics on the service. How is the service performing over time? What are the service components that are made up of these lower level uh, you know devices? How are those um, varying or deviating from what is normal behavior? From the service perspective, because if you think about, especially in cloud and virtual environments, devices they come and go. And it doesn't really make sense to apply machine learning on a container that only exists for a minute to perform a, a specific function. So by putting those containers or p- putting VMs or putting these virtual components in the context of a service and what the Service might be. I mean, it could be an authentication service, it could be a credit card payment service, it could be a login service, and those little services then comprise the overall application uh, that is being delivered to an you know, employee or an end client or customer. Then we can start to detect when something is not normal, something's weird, it's outside the range of expected behavior and start to understand or drill in further to understand what's going on in the environment. So context is all about understanding the relationships and then also applying analytics onto those relationships in order to learn patterns and behaviors and detect abnormal uh, patterns or behaviors uh, off that data.
0: And I would assume that your your discovery in topology is absolutely key in that context, right? Of being absolutely. able to understand connectivity and things yeah. like that. Great. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, Act and uh, a, a, an area near and dear to my heart, having uh, started a company and sold it to BMC. That's a, that's that's a little bit of our overview. <laughs> Almost overlap. I actually Overlapped. I sold it to BMC yep. and I was there for a year and then I left and then I think you showed up like six months after I left. So, um, yeah. And but um, we were all about automation and Runbook automation and really the precursor to a lot of stuff that you guys are talking about now. Um, the you know so talk a little bit about what you guys are doing in the automation space because I think this is really really key to the whole value proposition of, of AI ops.
1: Yes. Yeah. And and it's really, you know, where we see is is a key, key differentiator for us is that we're not only, you know, uh collecting, you know, discovering, collecting the data and adding the context to it, but now you have that ability to start to automate. Um and because all the data is in our data lake, um and within the contextualization of the services and, you know, with all the analytics applied to it, now we can drive automation. This is where We do a lot of automation as it relates to, you know, service management. As I mentioned before, you know, ticketing, uh, updating your CMDB, uh, keeping that, you know, aligned. We also can ingest information from your CMDB, whether that be change information, uh, actual uh, asset information. Uh, We can determine that perhaps somebody wanted the, uh, uh, a particular um, device configured a certain way and we can detect that what is actually in production is not aligned with what is in the CMDB and we can either alert you of that discrepancy or we can update the CMDB to reflect what actually exists in the environment. So we can work both ways. Uh, you can choose your source of truth being the CMDB or it being science logic, uh, which a lot of our customers uh, um Appreciate uh, having that that flexibility. Um, we also uh, have automations that we're actually in the process of rolling out a whole new uh, set around integrations with things like your notification tools, things like Teams and Slack and PagerDuty and X Matters or OpsGenie. We have a series of uh, workflows that are coming out, uh, integrations with your DevOps tools or your orchestration tools and your security ops tools, uh, BI and analytics tools. So you start thinking about things like Jenkins and Chef and Puppet and um, uh, you know the BI tools like a, a Splunk. We have got integrations with Splunk and ServiceNow from the ITSM perspective. So there are many opportunities for automating the processes or the workflows that are part of your day-to-day operational duties that don't require a a person or human to go log into another system in order to enter in information. We're actually feeding the data from ScienceLogic into those tools and automating those manual processes that would normally uh, be performed by people so that you can start to do things faster, whether that's Respond to change, whether it's fix problems, create the tickets, whether it's, you know, feed data in for better decision making from a financial uh, perspective. We've got some customers who are integrating with their financial management tools so that they can get a better sense of their costs. Uh, the cost that they may incur from moving to the cloud, for example, or the cost of um, you know making decisions about maintenance, you know if you're doing asset management, you want accurate data about the assets that are being used, which ones are not being used, and being able to make determinations on where you should renew maintenance or you know uh, end of life uh, certain technologies, or maybe you need to do a whole refresh. Of different technologies, and so having that information, that data, uh, fed into those other systems, is allowing uh, organizations to make better um, and more informed decisions as well.
0: So, so that's all really good stuff, and I think you you kind of you pointed a very broad swath of of what you guys can do. Uh, is there one um, integration that kind of sticks out in your mind as something that's pretty cool? that um that you could give us a little bit deeper dive in and kind of talk about because I think a lot of our, our our audience is like okay well give me a give me a really good example of something that is what you what you perceive as pretty cool stuff
1: okay um so one one area that we've recently introduced uh is um Being able to integrate with uh, your, like, network configuration uh, and backup management tools. So being able to um, feed data in. So, for example, we work uh, with a a company called RestorePoint. Um, We have the ability, uh, again, we discover devices out there. We can actually inform RestorePoint what network devices exist. So that it then can go out and start to look at the configuration of those network devices. And it can start to manage backups and security and configuration around those network devices. So there, one, one use case is actually populating restore point rather than them having to go out and do discovery or having someone manually determine. The second piece of it is when something goes wrong. Uh, they're monitoring the network, they're you know, uh, monitoring the configurations. They can feed events into ScienceLogic. Uh, we can then take those events and treat them as part of our correlation and service impact analysis and figure out that there is a problem and maybe that network router or switch or firewall is the cause. At that point, we can launch back into point to that specific device And be able to diagnose the problem because we can, we can actually enrich the ticket with the last backup or the last, you know, detailed configuration information um, so that we're able to leverage that information for actually going out then later and fixing the problem. So I don't know if that's uh, giving you the kind of detail that you're asking for, but that would be an example of multiple direction integration to specifically diagnose network configuration issues or network backup issues that may be impacting um, uh, your service at any time. Yeah,
0: I think that's a good example. So jumping off of that just as an example I would think would be kind of cool, especially in this world of, of heightened security, as it should be, the ability to say, let's say you have a router that has a standard configuration on it and somebody went in and did a change, and maybe activated some type of service on there that shouldn't have been activated, or it could be a server too, but let's say a, a, a router, and you had some type of scanning tool that um, that was scanning that device and saying, oh, this, is, uh, this, this service has been activated on this router, possibly a violation of some kind of policy. That generates an event into you guys. You guys can correlate it, bounce it across other different things, and eventually come to conclusions like, Hey, this thing should be on. Right, and then go back to restore point and restore point. Say, you know, uh, reconfigure this router based on the known backup right. that was, say, 24 hours ago. Yes, and bring that thing back into compliance.
1: Yeah, that, that's a perfect example. And uh, you know, so if you have this, the scanning tool, would have to have identified that there was some security, you know, potential security issue. That would be one feed into ScienceLogic. The the restore point. Could be identifying, you know, an event that has happened, right? That that there's some kind of performance event. We could correlate those two things together, along with other events that are happening in the environment, um, and and be able to then diagnose that kind of, you know, diagnose that problem and and go back into restore point to restore the backup. Yes.
0: Yeah, it gets even more interesting, right? Because you could then, um, uh, you guys could query the router and, and see when that last configuration was made. And then you can look at the performance statistics of that router and see if there was maybe an increase in traffic coming off of that router, and then that may actually be an indication that somebody went in made the change, opened it up, and then allowed someone to come in and start uh doing something that they shouldn't have been doing uh, you know so and then you know and then kind of start looking at downstream connected devices to see how they're performing so cool stuff, I think you know. I'm always good on, uh, I always like hearing tangible examples, right? And really kind of digging into something of of like kind of the art of the possible. So, um, so anything else, I mean, we're kind of coming up on our time, anything else you wanted to bring up around uh, science logic, your SL1 platform or any kind of innovative things you guys got coming down the Pike that you can actually talk about and not, uh, not under safe Harbor or something.
1: Um, You know, I think, uh, you know, the, the, I guess the closing point that, that I would like to, um, share is that, you know, organizations are often, um, intimidated, uh, when they, you know, hear something as a journey, right? And, and you and I have both used that term. And I think that what we've seen is that with our customers is that, you know, it's good to start. Um, we we uh, small um, and not try to bite off too much all at once. Um, we've seen people progress, uh, C contextualize act um, at different rates within each of those areas. We've we've put together a maturity model uh, that is broken out by the C contextualize act and over five levels, and you can move at different rates. You can focus a lot on the. Getting all the data together, um, you could spend the majority of your time doing that. Then later, add in context, or you may do a little bit of data and then add a little context, and go back and add a little data, a little more context, um, and then you know add in start to add in automation as you go. So, you know, I, I just would uh, emphasize the the fact that um, having uh, a um, flexible mindset in terms of you know you're not going to do AI ops in a in a night or in a day in a, in a week it's going to take time and you can make some significant progress uh, in three to four months and then continue to build on that as you move forward and and that I think would be a, a key point that I'd I'd like to have people think about that if you don't have to jump in you know both feet all at once and try to do it all. But you can actually make progress and and see tangible results, measurable outcomes, without having to implement tons of analytics and tons of automation uh, day one.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Anybody who's been listening to this broadcast, um, we talk about that a lot. It's it's a uh, AI ops is a strategy. It's not a platform. Right. Uh, and um, it you need to look at it and and have a long-term vision for it uh, and, uh, and figure out how to like, you know, like you said, you know, start small and build upon it. So, well, Leslie, it's been a pleasure. Um, It was really nice meeting you finally, after all these years of running in like kind of a parallel orbit. And uh, I wish you guys the best of luck over at science logic and uh, hopefully we'll have you guys back on uh, in the future. So I just, uh, again, I want to thank everybody for this broadcast Uh, I'm your host, Sean McDermott. Uh, Take care, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us in this week's episode. IT operations management is all about staying on top of the wave. Hit the like button, tell us what you thought about this episode, share, and subscribe. And we'll see you next week on Flow.